This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select TD Lamb. Why we're seeing- and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a wonderful Thursday edition of the Draft Show, presented by Miller Lite from the SWBC Mortgage Studios here from the Star in Frisco as we continue to get you ready for the NFL Draft as it is now just 81 days away. April 29th is when things kick off in Cleveland, Ohio, and it's starting to get to be crunch time because, well, the Senior Bowl is in the rearview mirror. The heat is starting to get turned up on these front offices, and the same thing goes for the Draft Show. Jeff Cal- all. We've got Kevin KT Turner, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Just trying to drive the bus, as always, here on this show. And, gentlemen, the, like I said, Senior Bowl in the rearview mirror. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday with Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, and David Hellman and, and had a great conversation about kind of the Cowboys' feel with it. I kind of want to get into some of the prospects today. We're going to talk a lot about the quarterback position. We're going to talk about the corners as well in that secondary. Can the Cowboys find their type of corner? And by type of corner, Jeff Cavanaugh has a different idea of what type of corner he potentially wants to see as a Dallas Cowboy. But Dane, start us off by kind of giving us your final general thoughts in terms of the Senior Bowl, what you took from the week down in Mobile. It was definitely weird. It was definitely different. And, you know, that's uh, different than what we're used to. But at the same time, I'm very thankful that we had it. Uh, You know, all the credit to Jim Nagy and his staff for being able to pull it off um, in a safe environment and Gave uh, the teams opportunity uh, to look at these guys uh, even more, and it also gave a lot of these players the opportunity to help themselves. And we we touched on it last week a little bit, uh, just you know some of the risers, guys that helped themselves. Uh, But some of these players, you know, we're going to look at them totally different now compared to uh, you know a week ago uh, because of what they were able to do. Uh, Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater being you know one of the the biggest risers. A guy like Richie Grant, who I had a third round grade on him, loved him coming into the week after seeing him live and up close like that uh, he's going in the top 50 that's wow. you know you, you you gained a different vantage point i think seeing these guys live at least for me and that's you know my process and the way i look at these guys um, you know, but a lot of other players help themselves. D. Eskridge from Western Michigan. Um, you know, it's just, it's a loaded group of slot receivers in that second to fourth round range. How are these guys guys gonna uh, really shake out in terms of how they're gonna be stacked? And you know, uh, D. Eskridge and Amari Rogers and Shai Smith, the guys that were down there, Kay Johnson, they were able to make you know kind of a statement like why they should be a little bit higher. So. Uh, just a really productive week, uh, and I think we, we have a better feel for these players now than we did uh, before the Senior Bowl. KT? Yeah, I would say my thoughts, and I, I don't want to be a jerk, but if I was a cornerback, I would not go to the Senior Bowl ever again because all the wide receivers are really good. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of kidding. Um, I'm sort of kidding a little bit, but it was amazing how – you know, you go into the week with an eye on cornerbacks and you just get distracted by all of the wide receiver mm-hmm. talent. And I'm in this world right now. I don't know how you guys look on, on your boards. And I know on the Thursday incarnation of the draft show, we haven't done a lot of wide receiver talk yet, mm-hmm. uh, partially because the Cowboys are, are kind of set there. 
But I'm sitting there going, okay, am I really going to have 15? Am I really going to have 20 wide receivers in the top three rounds? Like, there's a wow. lot of separation on the draft board I'm going to have to figure out because I, I've as I continue to work through the, the wide receivers, I'm going, okay, well, there's enough about him that I like that I would consider him a top 100 pick. And I end up going, oh, my God. And then, meanwhile, I come away going, okay, well, what what cornerbacks really impressed me? Keith Taylor was great in the game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Taylor, the cornerback from Washington. I'm not sure I loved his tape. In fact, I, I can tell you that I didn't really like his tape. But he was moving a little better at the Senior Bowl. And you're asking yourself, okay, how do you balance that out? Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did he just improve? Like, what happened? So. I, I, I'm more confused at cornerback maybe than ever um, based on uh, the guys who were at the Senior Bowl. But, man, that wide receiver position, I, I, I'm in love. I, I, I will never sign a wide receiver again. I think I'll just continue to draft them. They're incredible. That's a good point because I thought throughout the week it was impressive for some of those corners that ended up playing decently well. I mean, you mentioned Keith Taylor. I thought he had a poor week of practice, and, and I'm right there with you, KT. I don't like his tape that much. I mean, I had an, like a late third-round grade on him in terms of his tape, but he played really well in the Senior Bowl. Um, I mean, there were guys like uh, – oh, man, I'm, I'm blanking on their names. Oh, Trey Norwood and Trey Brown, both out of Oklahoma. I thought they had decent weeks of practice, and then I don't think they played very well. So – Overall, I think you're looking at the cornerback position as something that is kind of wishy-washy when you go up against those receivers that are as talented as the wide receiver group was down in Mobile. Now, Jeff, what were your kind of thoughts on the week? Did you agree in the fact that some of these corners just didn't show out the way that you thought they would? Well, I think I would think that NFL teams know going into this that um, it's really hard. Because in the real world, it's not all that often that you're legitimately going to be covering a guy all by yourself and he can run a drag all the way across the field five yards and it's like, oh, good luck. Uh, So I think NFL teams know that it's advantage wide receiver in the one-on-one drills. But I think guys like um, Melifonwu from Syracuse, Aaron Robinson, Central Florida, I think there were DBs that that helped themselves uh, throughout the Senior Bowl practices. So uh, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be terrified to go there if I was a DB. I would just know that you're going to go there and it's going to be what you're used to in practice settings. One-on-one is hard. And you gotta you got to really believe in yourself and go ball out. But there's, there's, there's opportunities to make plays, and I thought some of those guys did. Dane, do you agree? Yeah, I thought Trey, Trey Brown was one of those guys mm-hmm. uh, who he's 5'10 five, five on a good day. But his competitiveness that he played with was awesome to watch during practice. Uh, really impressed with what he did. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I agree with Jeff. It's, I think that it's you're kind of, as a corner, you're expected that you're probably going to have a tough time. You're going to get beat. So if you do make a play, teams are going to remember that. And so I think you take your chances and uh, you go there and compete. And, uh, you know, we saw it, you know, this year with a guy like, uh, like, like I said, with Trey Brown, I mm-hmm. thought helped himself as he, he projects probably as more of a nickel, yep. but uh, a, a guy that coming out of senior bowl week, teams maybe have a little bit better uh, opinion of. What did you think of MVP or offensive MVP of the senior bowl, Kellen Mond? And I, I know a lot of fans around here want to hear about Kellen Mond because they just grew up Aggie fans. I mean, there's a lot of Texas A&M Aggies around this state. And, and I know with Kellen Mond, there's been kind of wishy-washy whenever it comes to 
his thought process, the, the the whenever it comes to his draft rating. I mean, the inconsistency is on the field and off the field with him uh, in terms of the grading of him and the scouting of him. Dane, what did you think about him throughout the week uh, and ultimately culminating in that MVP outing during the game? But I kind of want to just hear about what he did at, at the Senior Bowl. I think it mirrored what we saw on tape uh, for his career uh, at, at A&M. And the thing that just bothers me the most with with Mond is I could show you a clip from, or a game from his sophomore year and then show you a game from a senior year, and it looks like it was, you know, the same same guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I, I think the same level of inconsistency. He's clearly talented, clearly. He's got, uh, you know, a, a good arm. He can move around a little bit. He'll make some really impressive throws. His highlights are as impressive as anybody's. But when you talk about the full scope, the body of work, I just see the same player that we saw as a sophomore, that we're seeing as a senior, and we saw during practice, um, up and down with his decision-making, up and down with his placement down the field. So it's easy to look at his highlight tape and say, okay, yeah, this guy can play. But when you look at the full body of work, it's just a, it's, it's just a mixed bag. And so uh, I, I find it really hard to get excited about any of these senior quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's not a there's not a single senior quarterback that I'm really overly excited about. And you know, Mon's kind of in that mix with with Jamie Newman and you know the rest of that group that probably going to go somewhere on day three. It's just uh, you know hard to guess exactly where. It's just going to come down to teams and their preference and exactly what they're looking for. You're still not very excited about Mac Jones either. Well, I don't consider him. He's not a senior, so okay, uh, that's fair. you know he's all the underclassmen. I, I can I can get there. Even Davis Mills from Stanford. I there's something there, and I you know I, I think that there's a little bit of optimism for a Davis Mills. Um, you know I think he's got a good chance to be drafted ahead of Kyle Trask, um, mm-hmm. and because he's got starter potential. So and, and Mac Jones, he I thought he helped himself uh, by being there. Uh, I think the obvious connection now is going to be with the Panthers. Uh, Matt Rule couldn't help but rave uh, about uh, Mac Jones, the way he handled himself during practice, uh, behind the scenes, his leadership, the way guys follow him. It's going to be interesting to see how that might play out on draft day mm-hmm. uh, with the Panthers having a lot more intimate knowledge of Mac Jones and how he's wired compared to some of these other teams that are looking at quarterbacks in the draft. So uh, it's, uh, it's a really interesting group of quarterbacks this year where – the first six drafted might all be underclassmen. Then the other, you know, three or four drafted could be seniors. Jeff, whenever it comes to the quarterback position, I mean, we're talking about these senior quarterbacks, but I mean, it's a it's a very heavy field. Whenever you look at Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all of which that'll probably go inside the top 10 and now there's been rumblings around Dak Prescott and of course we're coming down to the wire I mean the transition tag period starts in 19 days and it ends uh, a couple weeks after that or three weeks after that so ultimately your your clock is running out on Dak Prescott if you're the Cowboys right now and Brian Broaddus has said this previously on the Tuesday show that once that time starts clicking and it starts ticking a little bit further down and you have to franchise Dak Prescott you're going to have to start talking about one of these quarterbacks, but which quarterback would you want to talk about if you were the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, I would like to uh, quote the great Kevin Turner if I could ah, and uh, let you know. I heard he's pretty good at this stuff. I hate cor- I hate quarterbacks. Um, so if you are the Cowboys, what you should do is sign your top eight quarterback in the NFL. You should have done that two years ago, one year ago, and then you should do it again now. Now. 
if because you are the Cowboys front office, you've screwed this up so royally that now it's going to be really, really hard because Dak's like, well, I'm on the doorstep to free agency, so you're going to have to blow me away. And Jerry's still like, hey, you signed what we offer you, and that's it. Um, then, yeah, you may have to look at a guy because you have a top 10 pick. And I think realistically, um, you're going to be talking about either Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones because just going off of what we hear and what we're seeing, I would imagine that Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are gone, and then it's kind of the wild card. What is the order, and how quickly do they all go? Because I could totally see a scenario where five quarterbacks are gone when the Cowboys pick. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. But I think we also have to acknowledge it's possible that two quarterbacks are gone when the Cowboys pick. It's the weirdest top of a draft that I've seen in the seven years that I've been doing this because I don't know. If you're not like if you're not sold, there's teams in the top five or in the top eight that there's at least four or five of them that I think should take quarterbacks, but if you don't believe in the guys that are available this year, then you're not going to because all of these teams have other options they could roll with. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Cowboys and it's hey, which guy are you keeping an eye on? Uh, I guess the most likely answer would probably be Trey Lance, North Dakota State. And that would be wild to me if the Cowboys were like, hey, we're going to move on from a top eight quarterback in the league because this guy's got a big arm and he's athletic and maybe he could be good one day. So, Cowboys, sign your quarterback. Hey, come on the uh, magical mystery ride with me real quick. I- I'm I'm coming to you now as half myself, Kevin Turner, okay. and half the Dallas Cowboys. And but the fact that we're even talking about this – already tells you that the Cowboys are pretty comfortable being loosey-goosey at the quarterback position because otherwise the deal would have already been done. Like It it just would have been done. And I don't want to hear the stuff about Dak's side and what they're demanding. There's a market value. The deal could have been done and should have been done. All right? And that's the end of that. That being said, after taking a full dive, I carved out some special time to really go through all few of the games that we have of uh, North Dakota State. Mm Mm-hmm. My quarterback, too, this year is Trey Lance, and I am so comfortable with that. Wow. I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in love with the guy. <laughs> Again, I'm willing to be loosey-goosey at the quarterback position, I guess, right? Because, I mean, I think Dak should be your quarterback, but if, uh, if we're going to get to this point, this hypothetical area that we're talking about, which would even have us talking about a quarterback, mm-hmm. then I'm doing whatever it takes to to get Trey Lance on my team if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. He would have an ideal one year to sit while Dak is on the tag, and then we are ready to go. I think his ball placement and arm talent is just as good as Zach Wilson's, better than Zach Wilson personally. I think the way that he has he feels pressure in the pocket, like anyone can play when the pocket's clean, right? But when he, he can feel it in the pocket, and that's something – that I didn't always see with Justin Fields. A little escapability, yeah, he can kind of kind of move around, but I didn't always feel it. Trey Lance feels it, and for a 19-year-old to have that season he had, he looked pretty advanced. He didn't look like a 19-year-old. And I understand Division II, I get all that stuff, but if we're, if we're rolling dice anyway at the position, that's my guy because there's a whole other dynamic he adds. Watch the James Madison game from 2019 which he only throws the ball like 15 times that game. He mm-hmm. runs the ball 30 times in that game. Is Danucci in that game? An entire yes. other dynamic I so. to the game. Yeah, yeah, 2019 he would be in that game. Right. That, Trey that, versus the Nooch. That's that, that's fascinating. Uh, I, love, KT, I that's, like it, KT. It's is, is your guy. 
It, no, it's very bold. I mean, you're talking about a guy, and I like Trey Lance, but I mean, we have to recognize just how unprecedented of an evaluation this is. Mm-hmm. The, the guy has 17 career starts, all versus FCS competition. Uh, you look at his college resume, uh, and the stats just on paper look great, but you know, how many times he trailed in the second half of a game in his career? Once. Mm. Like, there's so much about him we don't know. There are so many one read and then run type of plays on his film where he's not making full full field reads. He's not uh, going through progressions, things like that. Uh, you know, last year this this great season that he had, which was stati- uh, statistically great, 16-0 season, national title, FCS. Uh, he averaged in his career 18.6 pass attempts per game. Meanwhile, the running game, they averaged 45 rush attempts per game at North Dakota State. They leaned on that rush, uh, that run game. That's that's what their offense is based off of, and then they would you know uh, pass off of that. So. I love the traits. I, I think that the poise that he shows is really impressive. Um, you know, the competitive nature that he has, I like. But there's just there's so much about him as a quarterback that we don't know. And maybe he'll get there. But I mean, we have to recognize just how big of a risk that it is. Not not just you know moving on from Dak and going to a new quarterback, but moving on to a new quarterback that is so we just there's so many unknown variables right now. I mean. For me, I'm a Zach Wilson guy. I it, I, I uh, wrote about him back in October. I took a lot of heat when I said he's you know right there in the mix to be quarterback two behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, but I think more people are catching on that mm-hmm. Zach Wilson is he's legit. And I think you know when I quarterback is such a hard position to evaluate. And I, you know I've had plenty of misses doing this. So you know don't I, I am not like uh, the uh, final voice on on these quarterback prospects. But something that I really look for um, is the ability to make the great spontaneous decision. That's, a, that's an old Bill Walsh thing. Uh, you want guys that can make that spontaneous decision and create. And to me, that's Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability, his feel for uh, throwing off platform, his feel for uh, ball placement down the field. He's naturally accurate. He's got a whip of an arm. Uh, I wish he were a little bit bigger. There's some durability concerns there. Uh, you know, just that narrow, narrow frame. Uh, but you know, and sometimes he'll play an overdrive. He'll you know bail up the pocket before he needs to. Mechanics get a little wild. That that that's part of his game. But I, he has a natural ball placement to him down the field. I think there's a lot you can do with the Zach Wilson. I think he's the clear number two quarterback in this draft. Uh, but it's it's just a really intriguing group of passers because they're all really really talented and you know they could all end up being starters in this league. Just to play devil's advocate here, Dane, and you were talking about with with uh, Trey Lance and his competition and the unknowns, and there certainly are a ton of unknowns coming from an FCS level, regardless. But with Zach Wilson, are there not still a ton of unknowns because he had one good season? I mean, yeah, he had a decent year in 2019. Yeah. But, I mean, his his completion percentage went from 62 to 73 in one year. And then all of a sudden, he's a top-two quarterback in this draft behind Trevor Lawrence. But he also played kind of lesser competition than the guys like a Justin Fields and a Trevor Lawrence and a Kyle Trask and a Mac Jones because B, uh, you look at BYU's competition, Troy, Navy, Louisiana Tech, UTSA, Texas State, North Alabama, Coastal Carolina was their toughest game. I, I think overall there's still a lot of question marks around Zach Wilson. Why is Zach Wilson more yep. of a, a lock than a, maybe a Trey Lance? 
Well, I, I just think we know more about Wilson. And, I mean, you're absolutely right in terms of the level of competition. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also think there's a pretty big gap uh, from, you know, talking about Troy compared to uh, the Missouri Valley Conference at yep. the SCS level. And True. that's, you know, that's just the facts. There's nothing against that level of comp. It's just you know, there's, there's a different competition level uh, in terms of talent. So, you know, Zach Wilson, I, I think, you know, he also benefited from a strong run game, a strong run game, uh, reliable targets to throw to, a good offensive line. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think Zach Wilson's a sure thing by any means. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm a more believer, more of a believer in his talent. Um, I think we've seen more. We know more about him compared to uh, Trey Lance. And then, you know, let's just throw Justin Fields into the mix, you know, so we can, you know, talk about him as well. I, I think that there's a lot to like about him uh, from a physical perspective. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's a naturally accurate guy. We saw that in the, the Clemson game. Uh, when, he, when he's in rhythm and everything is going right, the play design is where it needs to be, he looks outstanding. Uh, but when that first read's taken away or, you know, the defense does something with their coverages or their blitz that he hasn't accounted for, that's where the play breaks down, and that's where he needs to have a better plan B, C, and D and play with more urgency uh, if he's going to make it at the next level. But I think the intangibles, the athleticism, the accuracy, it's all there uh, for, for uh, Fields to make it. It's just he needs to get over that hump when it comes down to making that spontaneous decision, like I mentioned with Zach Wilson. Hey, hey Jeff, can I run something by you real quick? Because my uh, another thing I want to throw in about Really, just the, the position in general. If, and I do think the Cowboys will get a deal done with Dak. I think they will do it reluctantly. But if they don't, that tells you that they didn't value their investment. Okay? So it's like they'll just let a top eight quarterback in the league walk. Well, then I've got no problem letting my quarterback run 20 times a game if he needs to. And Trey Lance is a guy who I think could probably do that for you. I guess I'm done looking for the perfect passer now. I'm done looking hmm. for all that if my team right here is not going to go ahead and go full bore with the investment because they want to sign the running back and the linebacker. Like, that that's kind of where I kind of go, well, apparently I don't need to worry about developing this guy into some, you know, long-term thing, and I, I don't need this guy to be a 15-year quarterback for me, which is ideal. Ideally, you have that guy who's your quarterback for 10 and 15 years, and he becomes an excellent drop-back passer and all those things, right? Well, if you're just not going to sign the guy because you don't believe in giving him that much money, because you don't believe in giving him market value, then screw it. Treat the quarterbacks like the running backs then. Hmm. Burn them. Who cares? What do you think about that, Jeff? I mean, I dig the idea of uh, unleashing the running quarterback. I think it's fun. I love watching the Ravens play. I don't know how Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb would feel about it. Probably Because, uh, uh, you know, I also, I also like to be able to throw the ball. So, you know, a quarterback who's going to run, like, what does Lamar do? Probably 15 times a game, give or take. Uh, I think it's fun for winning. I think it's a good way to be consistently good. And if you're never going to pay a quarterback, I don't mind that approach. But I've got a team that's got some really good receivers and uh, and uh, a really good quarterback. So, but KT, your love for Trey Lance makes me think I'm cool with him, and we can we can rock with him because I believe he can throw. Uh, we don't have to risk our guy 15 times a game, do we? We don't have to. We, we absolutely throw. don't have to do that. Okay. Yeah, and, but and we I don't could. want to paint the picture that he's like jet. Yeah, we could. Yeah, like, I, you I, could. I don't want to paint the picture that he's like not a throwing quarterback or whatever. Like, uh, and I, we all—I mean, I don't know—I don't want to speak for everyone, um, but I think we all kind of thought Lamar Jackson. We knew he had work to do in the passing game, but I think we all 
thought he might continue to take a step forward, maybe not have that regression. You kind of go look at their wide receivers in, in Baltimore, like no offense, but like they brought in Des Bryant. They were that desperate. Like yeah. they need a little more, a few more weapons out there to kind of help him out a little bit. But like I don't like I don't think that those are like I'm not, I want to be careful when we talk about other players like that that we're not talking about a comparison. You know, a couple of things about Trey Lance that really jumped out to me. And again, I'm talking about a 19 year old, and I'm talking about a guy who ideally doesn't play again next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we get a preseason game, and maybe he can you know play then. But I, hopefully, he gets time to sit behind someone for one year at least. And one thing that I think about with with Trey Lance, some little things just like playing off of play action because they did run a lot that was very helpful for him or throwing on the run and things like that you can see that and see those skills and then along with when you have you know blitzes coming from the blind side just when you're when you can't see it to feel it and know it and step up out of it just looked very comfortable doing that and uh, those are the types of things that I really love when the guy's keeping his eyes downfield when he's in the pocket and moving around and I understand some of the things uh, that Dane was talking about, you know, we're, we got to make sure this guy can throw with the right amount of anticipation and things like that. Mm-hmm. How accurate is he on the five-yard drag, you know, all day long? You didn't see a ton of that. And a lot of a lot of his throws are throwing it down the field quite a bit. You know, you, you want to see a, a, a little more accuracy and a little more consistency and, quite frankly, more tape in general. You want to see more tape. But I am I'm pretty smitten with my guy Trey Lance right now, and I think – Based on what I've heard, and I don't know the guy, so uh, if I could text him, I would. But I think you've got a guy who's got a pretty good football IQ and things like that, who who's going to be a mm-hmm. uh, you know I don't want to be generic uh, Jason Garrett here, but you know kind of right kind of guy type type of thing. You, you hear those things, so like I think that's good. But we heard those things yeah. about Carson Wentz too. So yeah, that's true. You know? yeah. Out of the same program. Right. Last last thing I'll say about this last thing I'll say about these quarterbacks uh, is. That I think this year more than more than ever with these this group of quarterbacks, it's going to come down to the interviews. You know, mm-hmm. when just to figure out where are they in their mental development, how much do they know, how much do they not know, how much are they able to learn, uh, how those interviews go are going to be just paramount. When they throw out the tape on and they say, okay, well, what are you looking at here? Down and distance. What's the coverages? You know, are you setting the protections? What are you doing? Uh, okay, this read's taken away. What is your what is your outlet? What do you? What, what's your uh, my, uh, thought process right now? Just going through all of these positive and negative plays, and to get a better feel for where they are mentally. That more than that's that's the key every year. That we're not really we don't have access to that information, and it's you know it, it's a big missing piece of the evaluation process for those of us on the outside when mm-hmm. evaluating quarterbacks. But more so than ever, because uh, college offenses are getting easier and easier to operate. And so I think for a lot of these quarterbacks, they're less prepared for the NFL. Where And so for these, uh, the interview process, it's going to be important for them to really understand the questions that are going to be asked and to be ready for them. Yeah, and it's going to be virtual this year because of everything that's gone on with COVID-19. So add an extra wrench into it is how how these virtual interviews are going to go. They did a lot of that last year as well because there were no 30-day visits, because there was no Dallas Day. But it's going to be much of the same this year. So hopefully the Cowboys in. Really everybody around the league able to evaluate the right way. And just one thing added on onto what KT and Jeff were talking about before we had to break here really quickly. But uh, the... 
the the fact that you have Kellen Moore as your offensive coordinator, KT, makes me think that your theory of running the football with your quarterback may be debunked just a, just a hair because he doesn't like running the football a whole lot. You can kind of see that as a former quarterback himself. They like to throw the football, and so I think Trey Lance can certainly do that, but you're not going to run it 30 times a day. So I, I guess, Jeff, you can, you can rest easy at night thinking that Trey Lance wouldn't run it 30 times in a game every single time. But wanted to throw that Sign out the quarterback. There. Sign the quarterback. Yeah, sign I agree. Let's let's sign Dak just and not have to worry about that. Guy. I agree. Let's go to break. It's when we hard. come back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show, we're going to talk about a little bit of Twitter on the 20. We've got some great questions coming in from you guys on Twitter when we return right after this. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here with a second segment here at the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. We've got Kevin K.T. Turner, Jeff Cavanaugh. Dane Brugler, I'm Kyle Yeomans, as always, here on the Draft Show every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Time. Glad you uh, you guys are along for the ride. So now we've got some time to, to hit up these Twitter questions and go into some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Chris Beam in the back, punching the buttons and doing a fantastic job, as always. Okay, we're going to start things off with John Marshall on Twitter. He says, I want the team to fix the defensive tackle position. I want to also add to that, John. So do we all. We all want that to happen. He says, in Dan Quinn's defense, is Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore more suited to a three-tech or more of a penetrating one technique? And what are the top defensive tackles on the board who can feel each of those roles? Jeff Cavanaugh, we'll start with you. 
Oh, I think to me, uh, both Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore are guys that are your rotational three techniques that you're going to line up over the guard. I don't think either one of them is a guy that you necessarily want having to battle double teams because I don't think either one of them is going to handle it very well. Um, so to me, I think in this draft, if you're looking for a defensive tackle, I'm looking for the big boys. And it's a really interesting group because I will agree with Dane that I think, to me, Christian Barmore is the best defensive tackle prospect because I think Alabama, because I think he offers both, where I think he is powerful enough to play the run and battle and hold his ground, but he also offers some upside as a pass rusher. And then I, I do like... Marvin Wilson, despite the not good tape of 2020, I still think even on his 2020 tape, the Florida State defensive tackle, former five-star recruit, Mm -hmm. there's just something about when I see guys that have violent hands that are hard for guys to sort of maintain blocks on, I like that in a player. And then in 2019, when you just watch him when he hits people, it looks like it hurts a lot, and I like that in my defensive tackles. So Christian Barmore, Marvin Wilson, and then I would throw in NC State's, uh, you'll have to tell me to say first name alum mcneil uh you know he's a he's a guy that i think when you watch him play nose tackle Mm -hmm. knows how to extend on guys knows how to get rid of blockers has a nice first step so i think he's one of those guys that is a one technique but also has a little bit of quickness that you want in a three technique so i think that would be a really good fit for this team so those are the first three names that jump to mind for me I want to throw another name out there, and I'm not reaching for this guy, but if you're telling me we get to round four and maybe he's still there, I would take a shot at 345-pound Tyler Shelvin from LSU. Okay. Didn't love his tape. Don't think he's got great get-off, but I said his weight, 345 pounds. He's going to eat space. He's going to take on double teams. He is a run player. He's not going to add anything as a pass rusher. But if, if we get the feeling that Dan Quinn wants that bigger defensive tackle on the inside, I think Tyler Shelvin's a name I've kind of written down as kind of a, a guy who I think had a little hot, a little more upside, a little more ceiling, and maybe didn't show out as much as people might have wanted at LSU. And he did opt out, you know, of 2020. But I, I think that's a guy, if I'm in round four and he slides out of the top 100, that's a guy I'm taking a look at because I do see some untapped potential there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good names. I mean, I, the, the two that came to mind were McNeil and Shelvin. Um, I, I think both probably are going to go in the third round. Maybe I don't. We'll, we'll have to see I mean, if they wait. Maybe a little bit longer. An interesting player, Bobby Brown from A from A and M. Um, yeah, he's he flashes, but he's inconsistent. Um, you know, I, I think he could play some of that one because he, he does have uh, some power to him. And, you know, I, I think that he has yet to play his best football. He's, he's still young. I, he doesn't turn 21 until, I think, August. So, um, you know, Bobby Brown's one of those intriguing upside uh, guys in a class that is just a not, not good uh, nose tackle group. And he played uh, his high school ball right down the street from AT&T Stadium from Lamar High School in Arlington. So, uh, hey, he's, he's known the area. He's been around here, and they've had a lot of uh, good defensive line talent coming out of Arlington. Kind of keeping with this, though, Dane, I've got kind of a two-part question for you here. And this is from Connor Livesay, our good friend on Twitter, uh, who's been trying to ask a question for like four weeks, and I keep missing his question somehow whenever the, the, the show comes up. So I'll get mm-hmm. to this. And I know, I'm, I'm the worst. Uh, what areas of McNeil's game do you guys have questions about, and why isn't he defensive tackle 
number one. That's the first part of the question, Dane. The second one is he wants a scouting report on Syracuse defensive tackle McKinley Williams and why was his Clemson tape the best defensive line tape of 2020? Well, with McNeil, uh, you know, I think there's there's plenty to like about him. Uh, you know, he, he played. He reminds me a lot of, or you know, he gave me uh, flashbacks of watching Javon Hargrave as a prospect. Uh, he's he's heavy-handed. He's got that body type that you want, that thick thighs, that thick torso, that bubble that you're looking for in a nose tackle. I call uh, that a power bottom. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he, and he plays close to the ground. So he, he's got some flexibility to him. Uh, he, he eats up blockers. He wins gaps. Uh, he can reset the line of scrimmage with his power. He just I, don't, I didn't see a very rangy player. Um, and I thought he was part of a pretty heavy rotation at that, that really allowed him to stay fresh. Um, something to consider as well. But, you know, he's, he's an easy player to like. Um, I don't know that he's going to... It's tough with defensive tackles because you have to really understand what's their impact potential. You know, especially if they're not... It's one thing if they're a pass rusher. Mm -hmm. Then it's a little easier to project their impact potential. Um, If they're not a pass rusher, then that's where it gets a little bit tougher to to truly understand what's their value in the draft. Uh, You know, are they a third-round pick, fourth-round pick? You know, and I think uh, McNeil falls in that category where I don't know how much he gives you as a pass rusher, and so what is that exact value... Um, and, and so that's why I think he's I think he's a day two player, uh, but even that maybe more of a third than a two. It just you know it's going to come down to preference, and we have to factor in too. This is a weak nose tackle group, so a guy like McNeil could get pushed up the board yeah. for a team that you know is looking for that guy. If you're picking, you know, just say the Cowboys for example, if you're picking mid second round, uh, and you know you are looking at nose tackle and you don't feel great about the guys that are going to be there third fourth round you might feel pressured to maybe pull the trigger a little bit earlier. And not just the Cowboys, but several teams that are in the market for a one technique or you know a player that can play over the center. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic with these nose tackles. What about uh, McKinley Williams, Jay, you're going to have friend. to handle McKinley Williams. Oh, uh, yes, from Syracuse. Uh, I don't know. I, I need to see more in him. Um, I, I don't think I have a great feel for him yet. Uh, and where he fits in this class. Uh, but l- give me time on him. We'll come back to him. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's still, what is it, February 4th at this point? So that makes a lot of sense. Connor's just ahead of all of us. That's the only issue. Um, now, I don't think Connor's ahead of Dane. Oh, I mean, he's I'm not. just going to throw that out No, there. he's not. He's not ahead of Dane. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't uh, think anyone's ahead of nobody's Dane. Nobody's ahead I'll of Dane. Just throw that out there. Yeah, even some of the GMs in the league are not ahead of Dane. Most of the GMs in the league are not ahead of Dane. Uh, okay, Kevin on Twitter asked this, and I'm going to go straight to KT with this one. And he said, some would disagree. Uh-oh. How do the Cowboys pass on Kyle Pitts if he's there at 10? And what is your opinion on Tyson Campbell with the second pick? Uh, meaning 44th overall. I mean, you pass on him if uh, a cornerback's on the board or uh, you know a defensive player that you're in love with is on the board or if Trey Lance is on the board because you've decided not to sign Dak. Oh. That's how you pass on Kyle Pitts. Uh, but, no, I mean, like I understand the Kyle Pitts thing. I, I, I think you can get by tied in with another year of Jarwin, another year of Dalton Schultz as your backup. If they want to bring back the belldozer as tight end three, I'm all about it. That's how you pass on Kyle Pitts. I, I love Kyle Pitts, and I think there's a good chance Kyle Pitts is not there at ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I, the, it's asset allocation. 
and roster building is more important than ever when you are paying your quarterback a lot. And the Cowboys are going to be paying their quarterback a lot because they're going to either tag him or sign him. Um, and that's all important. And that's what you should do. You should pay your quarterback. Tyson Campbell is very interesting. And it kind of leads to something we're going to talk about in the third segment about cornerback size. I'm a little higher on Eric Stokes than Tyson Campbell, but Tyson Campbell's the better athlete. Mm-hmm. Tyson Campbell is longer. Uh, I've got him at 6'2", 185. The traits are all there. The length, the speed, you know, those are the things that are all there. There are times, and it's not always, there are times when it just doesn't look natural uh, playing the cornerback position. You go watch Patrick Sertain play, it looks pretty natural. Even one of the Eric Stokes tape, to me, it looks pretty natural on the other side, but you know, Tyson Campbell's going to get drafted higher than Eric Stokes because he's got better traits, and it's all about traits. Um, but I think he did a good job you know, carrying wide receivers across the field. You could see that. He could keep up with them because he's got good recovery speed if they do get a step or two on him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, Given with his length, I want him getting a, a more of a, a jam at the line of scrimmage. You didn't always see that when he was up in press uh, technique. But to me, tons of ceiling. Um I got a lot of ceiling with Trevon Diggs over there as well. Mm -hmm. I like Tyson Campbell. I've got a second-round grade on him, but there are just some things that you want to be – you want to see shored up with him. I think one thing with him, too, when you watched him this year, offenses were not afraid to throw at him uh, because he – it's tough because he has a lot of the traits, but, I mean, when you you are drafting a corner in the first, you know, 50 or 60 picks, you want a guy that can get his head turned and find the football – he just didn't do that consistently. And that's what really worries me on Campbell. So I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, the traits are easy to like. And I, you know, the length, the size, uh, you know, he is a very smooth athlete, for a guy that big. But, you know, it's uh, the way offenses attacked him uh, really do make you worry. Uh, oh, and one thing on McKinley Williams, the, the reason I have not seen enough of him yet. He's not in this draft class, so just wanted to put that out there. Oh, wow. Well, that makes a lot of oh. sense. Oh, that's yeah. a... That's See? A, yeah. Anytime Dane says, yeah. give me time, it means the dude's not, not in the draft. Not even in the draft that's at all. That's, Connor. Just to, just to clarify, he, he's going on. back to school, so he'll Connor. be at next year. Goodness real, real, gracious. Real quick on Campbell, I'll, I'll be quick here. I have him, just on my board right now, I have him as my eighth cornerback. So... I mean, and that's probably second round, right? That's probably that's probably with the potential to get the top sixty picks. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough when you compare him to you know Eric Stokes and Melifonwu and Aaron Robinson, Elijah Molden. Like, there's different types of uh, corners. Now you're cooking, Dane. Now you're cooking, Dane. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to step on if we're going to talk about this in a little we bit. We are, but uh, a lot of different types of corners. So uh, we'll, mm. we'll save it for a little bit later. Jeff, do you want me to to save it, or do you want to do you want to go to break real quick, and then we can come right back and hit uh, it? Yeah, I mean, it's just a carryover of this topic. For instance, um, Campbell and Stokes are my tenth and eleventh corners okay. in this draft, and it plays into what we're going to talk about next. The reason behind it. That makes it. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. 
Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here on the Draft Show, final 15 minutes or so. Glad you're with us. Jeff Cavanaugh, Dane Brugler, Kevin KT Turner. I'm Kyle Yeomans, and this is the conversation Jeff has been itching to have. Whether you're a Cowboys fan, you're a Draft fan, you're an NFL fan, doesn't matter. This is the discussion we need to have. It's a sit-down, it's a heart-to-heart with Jeff Cavanaugh about different types of corners. And Dane said there's a lot of different types of corners in this draft that could potentially intrigue you. I mean, we talked about Elijah Molden out of Washington, Florida State's Asante Samuel Jr. Then you've got the top guys like a Patrick Sertan and a Caleb Farley. I mean, there are all these different types of corners. But, Jeff, whenever it comes to the Cowboys, why are you so skeptical on the types that they're looking at? Well, okay, so this is my thing with how we do the draft and how we do cornerback. I feel like everybody is looking for guys that are 6'2 and up. And I'm just kind of going backwards and asking myself and everybody else, why? Why are we pretending that everybody that we're going to cover in the NFL is like 6'3"? When I get a bunch of dudes in the NFL and it's like, all right, congrats, you got all your 6'2 guys. Now, time to go win the Super Bowl. Here's Tyreek Hill. All right, well, my guy's falling down every time Tyreek Hill changes direction. And uh, All right, here's the Super Bowl. Go cover Stephon Diggs. All right, my 6'2 guy's falling down left and right. I just I, I wonder why are we so into the idea of the 6'2 and the 6'3 uh, corner. And maybe part of it is just that I'm finding a bunch of corners in this class that I like that are under 6 foot. And uh, I'm tired of them being height shamed, you know, by the community. So my guys who are 5'10", 5'11", just like Jair Alexander, maybe the best corner in the NFL, uh, I don't want to just immediately throw everybody who's 5'10", into, well, he's a nickel guy, because there's plenty of receivers in the NFL that are 5'9", to 5'11", that are number ones that play outside that you're going to have to cover. Uh, so just the idea that in the, in the draft world, I am not going to be consistently looking for and rewarding guys for being tall. 
I'm going to find the best players, and I'm going to have guys like Asante Samuel and Elijah Molden mm. and uh, Robinson at UCF and Shakur Brown at Michigan State ahead of Tyson Campbell. 6-2 runs fast from Georgia because I care less about your profile. And maybe this comes back to the thing that Dane talks about where it's kind of like the player versus the traits. Um, you can keep your traits. I want the players. So the 5'10 and the 5'11 guys that can cover really well, that are physical, that can play a football, I'm going to take them over six foot two and 4'3 all day or day. That's my corner thing. It's a question. It's a comment. It's a commentary. It's a speech. And uh, and I'm done now. Have a great day. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> no, I, I think you're. I mean, you're right. Like that's how. Uh, that, that's how it should be. Um, the number one trait when you're scouting the cornerback position should always be athleticism. I, to me, it, it, easy uh, more so than size. And I would argue next is your ability to the process. You know, your mental processing. So those are the top two traits that I know personally I look for: athleticism and the mental processing. Um, if you have those two things, yeah, you can play for me any day. I think when we talk about length with corners, it, it's not too dissimilar when we talk about um, you know arm arm length for offensive tackles. You know, like I think just. It, it helps if you're a little bit longer. If you have 35-inch arms compared to 32-inch arms and as offensive tackle, those three inches can sometimes make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so helping that kind of uh, you know close the gap uh, is something that teams will look for. But if you're not, if you can't move as an offensive tackle, it's not going to matter much. And it's the same thing with corners. If you're a super long player, that's great. But if you're not a good athlete, it's not going to matter much. So. Uh, the size is something that I think should be used to help break ties. So if you think Tyson Campbell and uh, Elijah Molden are on the same level as a prospect, then Tyson Campbell should get the, a little bit of a bump because he has the size advantage. But if you think that Elijah Molden's just a flat-out better player, then I certainly understand that too. No, I, I, I think... And I've been guilty of this before in the past, so I wanna, uh, and I'm, I, you always try to get better at this, right? Um, we sometimes take measurements and information that you would typically get at pro days or a combine or whatever. We sometimes tend to take those measurements and we treat them like currency almost. And it really doesn't have to be that way. Um, you, you trust what your eyes see and things like that. But just to play devil's advocate to what Jeff said, because I agree with most, if not everything, what Jeff said, Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl. Well, what happens if Ardarius Washington from TCU is your free safety and he's got to get over and get on on top of um, Mike Evans in the Super Bowl? You're gonna wish gonna do it. Guy, you wish that your guy he's was gonna a little do it. longer. You're gonna wish I'm your guy was gonna, a little I, longer. I want the guy who's gonna get there. If, if yeah. look, if if your quarterback throws a perfect ball and does the math in his head for 60 yards downfield when the free safety gets there where the corner is and leaves it outside and high on the sideline where my 5-8 safety can't reach it, good on you. Try it again. I'd much rather have a badass, instinctual, athletic dude that makes plays than a guy who's taller and faster. That's all. That's all. And you didn't have to drag you didn't have to drag my safety into it. That's something that you chose to do, KT. You chose violence on a Thursday with me. <laughs> you didn't have to bring him into this. Nobody asked you to do that. Our Darius Washington, safety number one, all five eight of him. Let's go. Offside on the defense. Richie Grant, <laughs> safety number two. 
first. If anybody's uh, keeping track else, at home. Uh, look, uh, something else to throw into this conversation with corners. Because cornerback might be my favorite position to evaluate. Because it's so mm-hmm. much fun. It's 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 like you're you're breaking down a dance. It, you have to be so technically refined, but at the same time, you have to be a top athlete. Um, you know, first and foremost, I think we, you need you need space athletes, guys that can hold their own in space. And then you have to judge. You know, there's just not a good athlete and a bad athlete. There are certain levels of athlete. You know, you have to. You know, and there's t- different types of speed. There's uh, you know transition speed. There's drive speed. There's break on the ball speed. You know, all these different levels. So uh, you know, the it's just a really fascinating uh, position to evaluate. And I think the better athlete the more you can compromise on size. Uh, because ideally, you don't want a 5'9 corner. But if he's a top athlete, then the more you can compromise on that. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that is a, it, it's really a fascinating, because uh, uh, it is arguably the toughest position uh, to play just because you're left out on an island against uh, a, you know, another top athlete and you don't know what's coming and you just have to stop them from making a play. And it's tough, but uh, you know that's it, it makes it, uh, I think, a fun pos- position to uh, evaluate. Well, and Jeff said something very interesting also, in our uh, it, it, just really quickly here, KT. But kind of tying together what all good. three of you guys were just talking about, but that was specifically whenever it came to the size and the athleticism of these corners. Whenever you look at the division that the Cowboys are in. Who are they going up against in terms of wide receivers that are the better wide receivers? It's Terry McLaurin for Washington. It's Sterling Shepard for New York. And I guess Deshaun Jackson slash Jalen Rager for Philadelphia. I mean, those are the guys. They're slot receivers that are quick, that are not very tall, that are agile, and they're going to come right over the middle of the field. So shouldn't these smaller corners that have that athleticism that Dane's talking about that kind of allow you to take them earlier in the draft be higher value to the Cowboys, Jeff, because just based off of the competition they're going for. Well, I think they should be higher value by everybody because, sure, like, you know, Devontae Adams isn't small and Mike Evans mm-hmm. is big and Allen Robinson's not small. But, I mean, it's the NFL receivers look like us. It's different, not quite like us. They look like CeeDee Lamb look, and Devontae five, eight, Smith. 5'9". Five, Six foot, six one. This guy's five eleven. Oh, here's a six three guy. This guy's six foot. He's six one. He, oh, six four over there. It's it's all over the place. So I just I don't think you need to be like building your team with the idea that you gotta have this this height and this length. Like if um, and I don't mean to pick on the guy, but if Camp if Tyson Campbell, the six two guy at Georgia, has a better career than Asante Samuel Jr., I'll eat the microphone. Like there's just there's a different level to how well you understand the game, how quickly you're processing information. Uh, just this the spatial awareness that comes with playing corner when you're playing zone. So like sure, you in theory might even and maybe even outruns them in the forty, right? And so now you're bigger, longer, faster. But if we run twenty football plays and we see who creates the smaller window for the quarterback in various situations, it's going to be Asante Samuel Jr. because what? he's better at it. Jeff, I'm interested. You you said I think Tyson Campbell and Stokes were ten and eleven ranked corners. I'm interested. Who are your top ten corners that that you've uh, f- uh, studied so far? It is Caleb Farley, one yeah. Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, okay. Asante Samuel, Asante Samuel Jr. four, mm-hmm. Elijah Molden five, okay. Melifonwu six, Robinson seven at Central Florida. Uh, Brown 
at I did him yesterday. Brown at Michigan State eight, and actually uh, Graham Jr. at Oregon is nine. Uh, senior Bowl and guy. Then Campbell and Stokes. Interesting. And I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it at the Senior Bowl, but I liked his. Uh, I liked the tape that I've gotten to so far on Graham. I like it. No, I. I, the, I mean, the, I, the only one out of that that I don't really love is Graham. Um, but the rest, I mean, I. Yeah, I have no really big disagreements there. Uh, I guess my only disagreement would be, I really like Greg Newsom from Northwestern. He would be. In I haven't seen him yet. That's cheating. So just call Campbell and Stokes eleven and twelve or whatever. Move him down one because I'm assuming I'll like Newsom better. I just haven't seen him. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. No. It's and and that's. I mean, all those guys that you mentioned are top 100 guys. So maybe top 75 guys. So it's 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 a really interesting group of corners. Where are you on Darian uh, Kendrick, Dane, from Clemson? He didn't come out. Yeah, he's, he, he uh, went he back, was, to back to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Oh, breaking yeah. news! KT and Connor, man. Yeah, KT. I was really <laughs> high on him I, I, too. I, I, I wanted him. I wanted him to come yeah. out, but he ended up going back. I agree. He he might have been the best athlete mm-hmm. in the group among all these guys. Uh, just really, really raw, and so I think he made maybe the better decision by going back. He has got a chance to be a a really good corner if he figures things out. Because he was a wide receiver when he showed up. He's still he's still figuring things out. Yeah. I think another so, year at the college uh, level is going to do have, him well. I have the same, almost the same order. Aaron Robinson of Central Florida, I have fourth. So Farley, Sertan, Horn, uh, Robinson, Samuel, Stokes, Campbell, Molden, Melifonwu, Newsom for me. I think that's okay. 10 I named off. And then I've kind of got on my day three radar um, Tariq Castro Fields from Penn State, although I need to check and see if he came out. No, he's Did going he back. Out? Okay, he's going back. News yeah. a month ago. Yeah. KT, I got to tell you. <laughs> well, I know. Well, I tell you that that extra year of eligibility it messed everything is, up. It, it's tough. Yeah, a lot of people, are, a lot of kids are taking advantage of that. So you thanks know. for tuning into the draft show with three experts and KT. <laughs> hey, I want to mark. Make sure you get it on tape. Make sure that it's on tape. Let's mark it that Jeff's going to eat the microphone if uh, Campbell has a better career than Samuel. Can we just get that and keep it? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to keep this microphone for that purpose, this one right here. Oh, and it's going to be microphone. a terrible meal. Yeah, that one. And, and that, like, yeah. there are a couple corners that we haven't talked about that are you know pretty good. You know, Paulson Adebo, we got to figure out what to do with yep. him out of Stanford. Stanford. Uh, yeah, Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas is a small school guy, but a really good athlete who could go top 100. Um, I really like what we saw from Benjamin St. Just from Minnesota at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, Keith Taylor, you know, somewhere in that mix. So it's a it's a really interesting group of corners that uh, you know I, there's going to be a lot of split opinion when we talk about you know corners four through 12 in that range. And it's going to be like that throughout the course of the draft process. Also, Brian Mills out of North Carolina Central, I believe. Is that what it, what, his, mm-hmm. what his school is? Uh, yeah, North Carolina yep. Central. That just tells you how much I know about that school. But, yeah, I thought he looked really nice at the Senior Bowl. I thought he had a good week of practice down in Mobile. So there's a lot of those corners that are going to be kind of talked about all the way through the draft. I mean, of course, with the Cowboys needing help at corner, I wouldn't be surprised if they double dip at that position again for the second straight year. Last year it was Trayvon Diggs and Reggie Robinson. One of them didn't catch the field. The other one has a ton of upside as a starter and maybe the number one corner on this ball club at the moment. But corner is definitely going to have a microscope on it, and we'll continue to do that uh, along the way here on the draft show. But that's going to do it for us today for Chris Beam and the back. 
for Kevin KT Turner, Jeff Cavanaugh, and Dane Brugler. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Be sure to catch this group again Thursday next week, 10 a.m. Central Time. And then you can also have the other group with Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, and David Hellman at 10 a.m. Central Time on Tuesday. But until then, so long here on The Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about that?